Mother Knows Death, starring Nicole and Jemmy and Maria QK. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Mother Knows Death. Hi, daughter. Hello, mother. We really have some great stories to share. So do you want to get into our story of the week? Yeah, our first story, well, our biggest story of the week is that the NHL player Adam Johnson that we had reported on in our very first episode, his unfortunate death, someone has been arrested. They have not specifically said who's arrested. I can only think it's the other player involved in the accident, who, right? Who else would it be? It doesn't even make any exactly. sense. Exactly. Exactly. It's very weird because every article you read about this says, quote, a man has been arrested. It has to be the other player. This quote-unquote man has been released on bail already as of today. So this is really interesting because we really dove into why at least I thought it was definitely an accident. And it's kind of crazy that somebody's been arrested in this case. So this is really interesting to see play out. Well, I've really been thinking about this since this happened. And I don't really agree with you that I think that it's that crazy that they're investigating it because... There's there's a bunch of professional hockey players that are saying that the moves that he made were unconventional. And I was listening to this guy last night who was a former NHL player who was saying that from the time they learn how to ice skate to play ice hockey, they learn like how to land and where to put their legs and there's certain moves. So as a professional NHL player, they look at that and say, no, no way, that's that's what he meant to do. Whereas like you and I are just watching and we say, have you ever gone ice skating? Like I can't, it's like such a shit show. I slide all over the place. I can't stand up straight, but, but these people are professionals and they know what they're doing. So the fact that there's multiple people saying like that something doesn't look right. I think that that's, that's something that we should, we should listen to the, the, the craziest. Yeah, I, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> No, I was just going to say, this is one of those stories where, to me, it was really cut and dry. This was an accident. I don't think he went on the ice intentionally being like, I'm going to slit some guy's throat today. But now that you're saying that he's doing some kind of unconventional moves, I still think there's a world in which it was an accident, but he set himself up really poorly by doing an illegal move in hockey. Also, another thing is, is that apparently this guy has a lot of penalties for aggression already. So it, I, I definitely don't think that he woke up and was like, I'm going to kill this person. But I think that he I think that it's a possibility that he just kind of went from like zero to 10 road rage, so to speak, and just did something that that he really didn't maybe mean to do. But he he did do it. And the craziest part of this story is that a day before he got arrested for this, well, we don't know if it's him. We're saying allegedly it's him that got arrested. They started playing again after the accident or murder, whatever you want to call it, and he got a standing ovation from the crowd. So it seems like the crowd, most people in the crowd have determined that it was an accident. So they, so I thought that that was pretty interesting, right? Yeah, and I mean, manslaughter, the charge itself kind of implies accidental. It's just cause of death of another due to recklessness. So that definitely could be seen in this case. It is really rare that these players actually get charged. There's 
a couple cases in the past. In 1992, an Italian player had slashed another player in the chest who had then subsequently died from an injury due to that. And then in 2000, another player had been charged with weaponizing his stick and assaulting another player, which resulted in serious injuries. So I do think it's really fascinating to see how this is notoriously a really aggressive sport and they're allowed to fight and get away with a lot. So how if you kind of slip through the cracks and do your own vicious move, how it could result really badly for some people. Okay, let's get into some celebrity news. So our first celebrity story today is another sports-related death, which is really sad. Former Bronco Matt Ulrich had suddenly died at age 41. The exact cause of death has not been released, but a really interesting fact that came out was that part of his brain had been donated to CTE research. So Yikes. do you want to kind of explain what CTE is and why won't why don't they know if he has this right now? So... First, I wanted to start off this entire celebrity section by saying that there has been a couple celebrity deaths this week, and there's been, well, we're going to cover four of them, and all of the people are young, and they basically didn't tell us why any of them died. So we'll talk about this first guy, Matt Ulrich. Um, So if they are donating his brain to CTE research, that's really interesting. So that stands for Chronic Traumatic Encephalopathy. And that occurs when you have, uh, when you're playing like a contact sport where you have multiple blows to the head. It could happen in boxing. It happens in football. We know of cases of it happening. And the really the only way to truly diagnose it, unfortunately, is that autopsy. And I, I'm not exactly sure what symptoms this guy was having. His wife did put out a statement and it didn't seem like, I mean, it seemed like she was upset, obviously, but it wasn't this shock in my opinion the statement didn't seem like you know how when they put out statements they're they they're just completely shocked when like Matthew Perry like nobody was kind of expecting it they they just seemed like they were very shocked by the news this one yeah I mean that could have also been the PR person that drafted it you know sometimes they could come across as not being very genuine when they're just trying to put something out there so it doesn't seem more suspicious yeah I I get that but So that's an interesting case we're going to keep an eye on. And then we just heard right before we started talking today that there was another former NHL player dead. Also, he's only 35. So Matt Ulrich, I don't know if you – did you say he was only 41? Yeah, he was 41. And then this player that that was just breaking this morning was only 35. He had done a short stint with the Chiefs, and his cause of death is unknown at the moment. This is – this is a really – popularized topic as of late we've had movies come out about the doctor who really pushed for the research into it we know the case of chris benoit the wrestler and aaron hernandez who was a football player that he kind of in my opinion is the most famous case of cte because they actually took scans of his brain and were looking at for that and then jason kelsey recently just had his documentary come out and i was surprised how open he was that he was really facing this hard decision of continuing his career because all he ever knew was football versus leaving so that he wouldn't essentially be brain dead for his family. And I thought that was really bold of a player because a lot of this gets shoved under the rug. The NFL doesn't really like 
discussing it, even though this is definitely a major thing. I mean, it happens in the hockey and other contact sports as well, but I was kind of shocked that he was so open about it, still being an active player and one of the most famous right now. Well, think about this. If you, like, he says that he's been playing football almost his entire life, the the increase of CTE occurs when you get multiple concussions. Well, what are the chances that if he's been playing since grade school that he's had more than one concussion? It's pretty damn high, right? And it it's scary because oh, yeah. you, they can't fix it right now. So it, it is it should be a concern to all of them really. It, it it really should be talked about more, but I feel like the NFL kind of is is just obviously doesn't want to put a big thing on it because they don't want their players being scared to play because they're gonna start going nuts when they get older, you know. Well, remember last year too, we saw that really scary incident with that player on the Miami Dolphins on TV, they were showing his his fingers crinkling. He was clearly struggling on the field. And that was really scary for me to see. It just looked incredibly painful. And then he does a press conference pretty much immediately after saying the doctors don't think CTE is of any concern. And I, was, I wasn't surprised to see people freaking out on the internet about being outraged about that. I mean, how could you even say that to any of these players? Yeah, and and of course they just they just use these guys because they don't have to be them when they're older, so they just tell you whatever and there's no repercussions. What about the the new creative director of Machino? Like what what happened there? So, um Davide Ron just became the creative director of Moschino only 9 days before his death. Before that, he was the head of women's wear for Gucci for I believe a couple decades. So, they're, they don't really know what happened. They're saying he had a, quote, sudden illness that was followed by a heart attack. But you kind of talk about a lot how people use cardiac arrest as a blanket term well, to describe how somebody died. Well, a cardiac arrest is different than a heart attack. So okay, did they, they actually said heart attack or did they say cardiac arrest? Because they, they're too... The New York Times reported heart attack, but in other articles they said a cardiac event. So okay, so I'm not sure if the two go together. I mean, he was he was only 46, again, really young person. Not that that's unheard of for a 46-year-old to have a heart attack, but um, a lot of times the news puts like cardiac arrest, which means your heart stops, so like everyone dies from cardiac arrest. But they just... They say that and then people hear the word cardiac and automatically think it's a heart attack. But a heart attack is death to the cardiac muscle due to usually because of an occlusion in one of the arteries that feeds oxygenated blood to the heart. So, I mean, not to say that he couldn't have had that because he totally could have, but hopefully they'll come out with with more information on him as well. And we can report back all of these next week or a week or two because it, it's really scary um, all three of these people are my age, kind of not really your age, even though we're kind of almost the same age, but they're more, they're more my age. But it's scary when, when people die so young, you want to know why, because, because you don't want to die young, right? No, I definitely think it's really scary. And thanks for clearing up the difference, because in my mind as a lay person, cardiac arrest and heart attack and cardiac event all kind of go hand in hand. So I didn't really understand the difference. But yeah, it is it is terrifying when you hear a young person suddenly died and they don't know why, because then this kind of leads into our next story, too, 
which I'll start off with that a contestant on Extreme Weight Loss has passed away. She was also only age 40. Makeup artist Brandy Mallory, she has died for, again, undisclosed reasons as of this recording. She said she had gone on the show in the first place because when she was 29 years old, a sorority sister of hers had died from a heart attack and that really scared her and she had the mindset of I could die any day so she wanted to address losing weight and getting healthier. And again, we don't really know what happened and it's kind of scary. Like what happened to her? She was scared by an event that happened in her life and then also fell victim to a young death. So she was only 40 years old, but at the time when you were saying, like Rhee was saying, when she was 29, she had this scare. And at that time, she was 329 pounds, which is really obese. She she lost a lot of weight and changed her life, and she got really into fitness and everything. But to me, I have two separate opinions of what could have possibly happened. Number one... If she was living her whole entire life until 29 years old being obese, that takes a toll on your body. It takes a toll on your heart. It takes a toll on your liver and your just your whole well-being. As much as they want to try to tell you that being obese is healthy, it's just it's just not. And it having a it's not about having extra weight on your body and your arms and legs looking heavy. It's about having visceral fat, which is fat that grows around your organs. And if you have a lot of fat around your heart for for 10, 15 years of your life, your heart is working extra to to beat because it's so heavy. And so that could be like she could just have effects from the long term being overweight long term. Another thing is that if you lose a significant amount of weight, you could also, which seems like it's kind of counter active but if you lose too much weight you're you could get low in nutrition you could set yourself up for cardiac issues again so when you lose weight you have to do it in a very specific way and not try to do it too fast because that could also set you up for health issues too and she kind of went from one extreme to another she was a person that didn't work out that was 300 and some pounds and overweight a majority of her adult life and went from being like a very fit fitness eating well person and that drastic contrast could be the reason why she died early yeah I'll be really interested to see what the results say if they come out again we always talk about how we talk about these stories every single week and then we never get updates about them well we did get so an it's update really just about sad. the hockey player which was which was a little shocking yesterday to hear so you never know it def yeah it definitely was because if not in my if we didn't get that update yesterday also thank you everybody for tagging us on Instagram and letting us know immediately it's really cool to see all you guys letting yeah. us know and being excited to hear us um, but before that news broke, this next story was going to be the story of the week I was going to suggest to you because I think this is super fascinating. So our final celebrity story today, this huge Hollywood agent, Sam Haskell, who works with Dolly Parton. And of course, the media has been using a picture of the two of them together. Know, so poor, poor Dolly, Dolly getting wrapped I love Dolly. into this. I feel like she... <laughs> I feel like she she always has done so good in her life to stay away from bullshit, but like, you, you don't have control over who you work with, right? Absolutely. And 
According to people in the industry, this guy, Sam Haskell, is one of the nicest guys in the industry. So it's, I don't know. I feel, I still well, feel bad she's could, being tied to it, but. He could be the no, nicest but, guy, but his son is, is, is a psychopath. That's what I was going to get at. Sam Haskell Sr., nice guy. Sam Haskell Jr., not so much. <laughs> so <laughs> Sam Haskell Jr., the son of this this guy, had called this disposal company to come pick up what he was saying was a bag of rocks and they were too heavy they oh my god these got these poor poor guys come and pick these bags up and and, while and they're, they're driving, like wait they're a like, second you know what this smells this smells a little bit they're like it smells and this doesn't feel like rocks like something isn't quite right about this so the guys take a peek in the bag and are presented with a human torso. Wow. <laughs> so this is like absolutely horrifying and traumatizing for these people alone. So that I wanted to set that up next because sometimes when people are in shock, they make weird decisions. Their weird decision was they dropped the bags back off at his house and then gave him the money back and then called the police, which everybody... I think could agree they should have just called the police first and handed the bags directly over but you have to remember most people are in a situation like this and you don't know what you would do if you were in this state of shock with something traumatizing like like you go to work and you're straight up just used to the grind of every day lifting up bags of rocks which is like a shitty job right and and you come across this just totally not expecting it i think that a lot of people would just automatically be like i don't know what to do absolutely so they bring the bags back they call the cops by the time the cops got to the house the bags were gone again in this time frame a homeless man in encino is going through a dumpster behind a strip mall and uncovers the bags so then the cops are called there and they find them this guy is now arrested it turns out he has killed he still has to, he's innocent until proven guilty, technically, even though there's surveillance video of him dumping the bags there. But he is now arrested for killing not only his wife, but both of her parents as well. So, yeah, and yeah. they live, they all live together in the house. The, this is the most messed up part. Husband, wife, her mom and dad, and their three kids, the kids' grandparents. And this guy killed his yes. wife. And his kids' grandparents. So the only thing I've really seen was about this bag with just the torso, which remained unidentified. So that's not clear if it's the wife or the of her mother. I don't believe they've discovered all of the remains. Some of them are still missing, but he has been arrested. He's charged with three murders, and his arraignment is until December 8th. So this is really interesting we're definitely gonna see this play out over probably the next couple of years right because just the legal process takes a while and it's really really unfortunate and i hope dolly stops getting wrapped into it because she had nothing to do with it just think how messed up that is that i mean the kids mom is now dead the grandparents are dead he's a moron he's like a total moron so he's going to jail he's caught so what's going to happen with these kids now? Three kids. Well, it's, it seems like their grandpa's a nice guy, according to word of mouth. So hopefully, 
out of this really horrible situation. You know, they probably shouldn't have been raised by this guy in the first place anyway, so hopefully they'll go to the grandparents and have somewhat of a chance of having a better quality of life, even though I don't know how you could get over this even if you were a kid when it went yeah, down. What a, what a dickhead. All right, let's get into freak accidents. Okay, so our first freak accident is about a Brazilian influencer that died after knee liposuction, which I I don't know if I'm being naive. I just never even thought of getting lipo in the knee. This is this is interesting to me because as soon as I heard this, I, I automatically was like, I think I know what happened, right? So she probably had like what she would have thought were fat thighs or she was getting shaping of her thighs, which I understand because on the inside of my thigh, like towards my knee, it's kind of gross looking. So maybe, I don't know, lipo would fix that or something. I would never go get it because it doesn't bother me that much. But if you're a model and stuff, maybe it bothers you. I don't know. But what happens when you do a procedure like liposuction is that it causes a lot of trauma to the tissue and it causes swelling, right? So when you do procedures on the thigh like that, you're supposed to do like one side one day and then the other side like a couple of weeks later when the swelling goes down because what happens is it swells all the way around and then it can compress the blood vessels that are underlying which could cause blood to not be able to flow freely in the leg. And what happened was they said that her cause of death was due to a pulmonary embolism which means that the blood was settling in her veins, in her leg, and it traveled all the way to her heart and got stuck in her lungs, and it caused her to have a sudden death a couple hours after the surgery. So it completely makes sense. It's just really sad because she was my age, 29 years old. It's really sad to hear that such a young life is taking over cosmetic procedure, especially when now we're seeing a shift in the way people want to look. Nicki Minaj is on the cover of Vogue this month and she's talking about how she has a lot of regrets getting all these procedures done, putting all these toxins into her body and just not realizing that she was beautiful the way she was. And it's just really unfortunate. We're seeing this a lot. We talked a couple months ago also about Black China getting her fillers dissolved and the Kardashians are clearly starting to do it as well. So I just think getting these dramatic procedures is just we're just going to see a shift in them over time. I also think that these girls cry like oh I I regret it but it's like that's how they that's how they got popular you know they also used it to get where they're at so now that they're like they're they're wealthy and they're in a good spot they could say whatever they want to say you know what I mean even though they know that they specifically had influence over these people that are dying because of these procedures it's really kind of interesting no definitely I just am interested to see the social shift in the perception of bodies and how it's all changing over the last decade. Yeah, hopefully it changes back because people look like freaks. All right, let's let's change over to this next story that a lithium ion battery. So we talked about this last, was it last week, that there was a, a fire on the plane due to a, a portable phone charger because of a lithium ion battery. And now I actually think I brought this up, that this is a huge problem, especially in New York City with like electric bikes and electric scooters in this case, that this family had an electric scooter. It was in a building with multiple other occupants. And the fire department described it as a wall of fire that 
didn't let people get out of the building because it's just common. Like you use a scooter that's that you plug in. So where are you going to plug it in? Like right near the door so you could easily bring it outside. And three generations of one family died. So it was a mom, her son, and her grandson. The mom was in her 80s, I believe. She was 81. The son was 58. The grandson was 33. Um, they said that the, the scooter belonged to, to one of them. But on top of these three generations of, of a family dying, also 14 other people got injured and a firefighter got pretty seriously injured too. So it, it's like, it, it's a serious issue. These things catch on fire and people are making counterfeit ones and selling them. And most people probably don't even realize that they're buying them. It, that's the scary part of it. Yeah, you know, last week after you said that you want to leave the drill battery pack plugged in and Gabe told you not to, I've been really thinking about some stuff we just have plugged in around the house, which is things like that drill packs. I have a Roomba, which I don't even really like how it works anyway. So the Roombas I, catch I on definitely, fire. I've heard a couple cases of it. Well, yeah, and my, my husband actually had a client that's house caught on fire because of the Roomba and they, they lost their home because of it. So I'm pretty sure a pet died in the incident as well. So they're really scary. And I, I don't even think about it when I got it as a gift. I just plugged it on in and then go about my day. And now it kind of freaks me out. So it's one of those, uh, if I use it, I'll only plug it in to charge it the day I'm going to use it and then unplug it when I'm done. So it's like, where do you draw the line though? It's your computer. It's your phone. It's, there's so many things that you use all the time. Like the kids have these stupid little like lamp things in their room. And there's just a lot of different things that you, you don't even think about that you're constantly charging. It's just, it's scary. I mean, your space heater even caught on fire last week. I know. I know. It smelled, that was horrible. That was so scary. And of course, was where was it Gabe? Is scary. He wasn't. He was like home, but he wasn't home at the time, wasn't he? Like getting his hair cut or something. And we're all like, yeah, he ran out. We're like scared to death that he's gonna yell at us if we set something on fire. So we're like, quick, let's like get it out of the house and make that <laughs> light some candles and incense so he doesn't catch us because he's gonna freak out. Oh my! <laughs> yeah, it started out with my my pop up, your dad. He he can't hear anything. So one time we were on a family trip and he kept hearing the seatbelt thing going off and kept going, what's that noise? And we were like, what do you mean? What's that noise? It's the thing. So I kept hearing this flickering. It was joking with you. It was going, going what's that noise? And it was catching on fire. Yeah, and then I was so, like, wait, that smell. It just was like that classic electric, like burnt, like fishy, weird, like smell. It was just. Yeah. And it was so scary. But I, I just got another one and I'm back in business because I can't live without my space. <laughs> Ray, can you imagine those poor guys that were working for that disposal company that got called to that producer's son's house to move the bag of rocks? No. <laughs> I can't ever imagine being in that position. Well, let me tell you something. If they had some stink bomb in their pocket, they might have been in a better situation that they wouldn't have had to smell decomposing human remains. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I always think that about garbage people in general is just 
it would be such a handy tool to have in their pocket for when you just have normal gross trash or an accidental decomp in your bag that you weren't prepared for. Just keep it in your pocket, just like you chapstick. Know, that's actually a good idea because I always get my trash man. I usually give them money every year because they take out, they, they just work really hard and I want to thank them. But this year, I'm going to also put a little tube of stink bomb on their envelope just to be like, hey, why don't you guys use this? Because trash truck juice has a very specific nasty smell and i'm sure that they're used to it but they probably would enjoy smelling something like evergreen instead or a little pumpkin spice you never know <laughs> they're in the mood for whatever that. they're fancy maybe a coffee <laughs> maybe they're a lavender type of guy you don't know hey why but smell the perfect gangrene gift? when you could smell evergreen of course and use code MKD15 on stinkbombodorblocker.com for 15% off all their products. Gift your gift yourself this holiday season. Gift your local trash guys. Gift any medical people in your life. It's really the perfect thing for everybody. And it's a great stocking stuffer. Goes right in your pocket, your purse, wherever. Thanks, Stink Bomb. Okay, so now we're going to get into violent crimes, and our first case has to do with Maya Kowalski. So let me set the scene of yeah. what happened with this with this girl. In October of 2016, this girl was a child, and she had something called complex regional pain syndrome. And there's not a lot known about this, but basically what happens in this particular disorder is that one or two limbs could be affected and it could cause your limb to be cold or have a sensation of burning or have extreme pain. And I've gotten a couple cases of it sent to me on Instagram and it just seems completely horrible. It's not very understood. It's not very common. But this child had it. She was diagnosed with it and she was having a, a flare or an episode and her mom took her to the emergency room at John Hopkins Hospital and said that she wanted her daughter to get ketamine treatment. And she said she had had it before in Mexico and it worked. So she kept pushing and pushing that she wanted her daughter to have this ketamine treatment. And for whatever reason, at the emergency room, they started getting the vibe that the mom was trying to give this daughter a treatment that she didn't really need. And they ended up coming to the conclusion that this mom has something called Munchausen by proxy, which is when a caregiver or a parent tries to make up that their kid is sick in order to get attention. And they ended up calling it in as a child abuse case. The mom got her daughter taken away from her and her daughter went into the custody of the state and she couldn't get her back. And after a couple years or a couple months, I'm sorry, three months later, she hanged herself in her garage. It's really sad. So why this story is the, the mother ended her life in 2017. But why this story is relevant now is because earlier this year, a documentary had come out on Netflix. And then just this week, they were in the middle of the proceedings and they won 261 the family had won 261 million dollars in this malpractice lawsuit i'm pretty sure this was a record-breaking lawsuit for malpractice so not only is this a huge story that they won this amount of money and they were proven 
that everything the hospital did was incorrect. Now there is a follow-up lawsuit of sexual abuse allegations by hospital staffers to the patient, Maya, when she was a minor. Yeah, it's just, it's th- this case is so messed up. What is she, like 17 now? And this poor kid had a... She's 17-year-old now, yeah. yeah. She had to go through this painful disorder, lose her mom to suicide. And, and I can't imagine, like, this whole entire time I was reading about this today... I was thinking like, oh, my God, like if someone took away my kids and it was like because they were sick and it was completely legit, I just I can't I don't even know what I would do. It would just it's 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 terrible. And all it doesn't even matter. Like two hundred and sixty million dollars is whatever. I mean, at least she won't have to worry about work and and buying a house and paying for bills and everything. But like it's not going to make her life better. Our next case is really cool, and it shows some good old-fashioned detective work, which is not, it really doesn't have to do anything with, like, DNA or anything, but they found this woman who has been unidentified for 31 years. She was found dead in Belgium, and nobody knew who she was. And with this, like, good old-fashioned police work, they they were able to identify her this week. So you want to tell her, you want to tell everybody what I'm talking about here? Yeah, so in May of this year, a website was launched where police are able to upload previously confidential details of cold cases in trying to seek help from the public, trying to get these cases solved. We've seen with the Golden State Killer and other cases like that, there's been huge, huge movements and improvements in solving these cold cases through putting DNA through public DNA database systems. So I guess this is just the next step in this. So This woman was found murdered in Belgium, and then this website goes live, and then a person living in the UK was looking through it and was like, hey, that tattoo on this victim is really familiar to me, and it ended up being a family member, and they were able to solve the case, which is just so cool. And since this website has been launched, 22 unidentified women have been now identified, and their cases have been not necessarily solved, I guess, but now they at least know who they are to make steps in the right direction. Can you imagine having one of your family members missing for 31 years and not knowing like what happened to them, where they went, and then one day seeing a picture of their tattoo and finally getting closure, like what that must feel like? No, I, I, I think it's crazy. You just never know what's happening in the family's circumstances that they don't even know the person is missing. And maybe it was just a matter of they knew they were missing, but because they were seemingly in different countries, they couldn't get a hold of the resources they needed to to identify the victim or I'm sure they whatever, knew she was but... missing if they didn't hear get a phone call from her for 31 years. You don't know, but <laughs> anyway, this website I think is really cool. I was checking, I don't know if you checked it out. I was checking it out earlier and it's kind of making me want to sit there and just look at th- these details of these cold cases. But I'm going to put the link to it in the description of this episode so everybody else can check it out and maybe you could help it's solve a cool crime. It's just because it's just, if that was if that was a local case, they, they could have solved this right away if they had just, I mean, a website isn't some crazy technology, right? And it's just cool. No, I think it's just more about keeping that information confidential and now... They are able to release certain details that are able to help yeah. people. I mean, especially because she was murdered, too. It's not like she was just found. I, they probably thought that that would have maybe disrupted whatever investigation they were doing or whatever. Another 
crazy story this week is that there was a Las Vegas teenager who, this is all on film, was beat down by a, a large group of kids, maybe 10 to 15 years old, over a vape pen and, and headphones or something. And I wanted to talk to you about this case because there's two distinct things that are going on with this case that I think are indicative of what's going on in society right now. But number one, videotaping is off, is off the chain. Trying to videotape people that are hurt in accidents or that are suffering or that are getting murdered. It's almost like people want to get a viral video more than they want to help like fellow mankind. It's just it's just completely nuts. But people send me these videos all day long and I just sit there and I think like, you don't want to help that guy. You'd rather just like stand over here with the camera right now and get this video. And the second thing is that I'm seeing an increased trend that young people don't have like the same regard for life as they should. I don't know if 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 that even makes sense what I'm saying, but do you remember like last year in Philly there was there was a person uh, uh like young kids that beat up some old guy that was just walking down the street, some 70-year-old guy. They like beat him up with a they beat him to death with a traffic cone or something. And and one of the girls was like 13 or something that did it and there's this just disregard for 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 life and and they 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 ended up arresting eight of these kids right but and they're still looking for a couple more but the youngest kid that got arrested was only 13 years old it's like a it's a baby you know what i mean I, yeah i think we're seeing this a lot i think it plays into them being on social media and just exposed to things so much younger and there's just this general people are just so desensitized to things going on and I think it's really gross. I think a lot of situations we see, especially in Philly with carjackings and using guns and everything has been with younger people. So that's definitely scary to think about. And I guess we just have to look at the larger picture. What is what is the source of this? Is it their excessive internet usage? Is it video games? Is it just a culture shifting? And I, I think it's what they're it's learning. I, I don't know. I think it's family, like 100%. I mean, all of those other things factor into it for sure because people are just hoping that they're going to get, like, the next viral video and, like, get a lot of followers on TikTok and stuff. So that is definitely a thing. But I think a lot of it is just that they're not being raised by e even one good parent at least. And, and that th those skills of having respect for your own life and having respect for other people's lives is, is a huge problem right now. Well, that could boil down to a million different things. We're living in a time where the economic climate's horrible and most people are working two jobs, so that could be a contributing factor. Technology in itself, people are distracted. I don't think it's very common that people are sitting down for family dinners anymore, which I think is really important that people should be having that togetherness where they're kind of undistracted and knowing what's going on in their loved ones' lives. And I think we're separating a lot from that traditional family dynamic of spending time together and even if you're quote-unquote spending time together all sitting on a couch on a phone that's not really being present and knowing what's going on in the people around you's lives and I think I think we are a little guilty of 
being very used to sitting on the couch, being able to do our own thing on our phones and not pay any mind. But I do think you're really good with the little ones about making sure you're all watching a movie together and talking to them about how their school day was and knowing and being all up in the drama of what's going on. So yeah, I know way too much <laughs> about every single kid they go to school with. But it's it's good because it, but it's a it's an effort because it is easier to just like all sit around and, and play on the phone and the phone's like the the ultimate narcissist thing, right? Like, why would I want to hear about your day when I can look in this thing that's like a hundred percent catered towards me and it's like looking in a mirror all day, you know what I mean? So you have to go you have to go out of your way now to to do that. But a lot of kids a lot of kids aren't getting that and I think that's it and then then you have a group of a lot of kids that are all friends with each other that are kind of just have this like fuck you mentality. This is what happens. So it's the one year anniversary of the Idaho murders. Monday was the one year anniversary. I can't even believe it's been one full years. And in some regards, I feel like it's been longer, but not long enough. It's this very weird vortex of being so caught up on it and being like, this couldn't all this couldn't have possibly gone down legally and catching the guy in just one year, but here we are today. All right. One year so, later, four students okay, were killed. Okay, I was going to say that. Please explain this to people because so many times me and Maria will be out somewhere and we'll be talking to like a friend we haven't seen or family or whatever and we'll say like, oh my God, the case that we're really keeping up on is like this Idaho murders and like th this guy that, that killed all these co college students. And people are like, oh, I never heard of that. And I'm like, what What are you, you've been living under a rock or something? So, Ray, explain to them, like, what we're even talking about right now for those people that are living under rocks. <laughs> I, one of those people is my husband, who I know is going to be listening to this on his drive to work tomorrow. So I'm calling you out, Ricky. But so... Last year, four students were killed in housing that was off-campus housing in the middle of the night. It was a really scary situation. They didn't know. Well, I think the police knew much sooner than us, but for us, nobody was caught for six weeks. So it was really scary. They were killed in this really gruesome way. We don't have really exact details beyond the fact that we know they were stabbed and killed with a knife. So that more information about that's going to come out over time. But there's a gag order right now. So we are getting little snippets here and there, but we don't really know the exact breakdown of the night, which is kind of even scarier. But six weeks after the crime, a guy had been arrested. The crime happened in Idaho and he was arrested in Pennsylvania, actually not super far from where we are. So that was eerie in itself, but it turns out Brian Koberger is the current suspect. There's a lot of evidence going against him. We have to remember again, he's innocent until proven guilty, but it's not really looking great but for him. But there was a knife, a knife sheath underneath of one of the victims' bodies with his DNA on it. So, like, why was that there? <laughs> Yeah, you just you just have to say like he's he's still not formally convicted and it's really scary because he's a PhD student in criminology. So we have been really vocal about that we just think there's something so much deeper behind this case that he's trying to trick the system like he did this. He's definitely going to go forward with the motions of going through trial and he knows he did it, but he's going to try to poke every hole in the system because he's been spending 
most of his adulthood studying criminology and both sides of it. So now he's the murderer and the person working on the other end investigating. And it's just going to be really terrifying how this turns out. And I hope that they're working really hard so he's not able to poke any holes in the system and he is convicted. Now, one thing that you didn't mention is that this guy, for those of you that are living under a rock that don't know about this guy... You need to Google his name because he is creepy as fuck. He is the creepiest looking dude. Like when I, I was glued to this case, obviously. And when they said they, I'll never forget, like Gabe and I were driving home from Florida and they said they arrested someone. And of course, his picture ended up on the internet five minutes later. And his eyes are so scary. And I was like, oh my God, like this is the guy. Yeah. I mean, you can't really say somebody killed somebody based on their eyes. But it doesn't really help this case that he's a creepy guy. <laughs> so th- he was supposed to, his trial was supposed to start in the beginning of October, which I was like, there's no way that's happening. Of course it did not. In August, he waived his right to a speedy trial. I am really fascinated to see how this pans out over time. I think this trial, I don't know if it's going to be televised or not. We were saying we're kind of indifferent about it. We think it's important that it's televised and like also a little nosy that's televised so we can see exactly what this guy did and make sure he doesn't get away with it. But also we want to make sure that the families aren't in a vulnerable spot where pictures and certain information about their kids are getting released because this is a horrific story and these four people lost their lives for no reason. And in my opinion, just this sick game this guy's playing. Okay, let's get into some medical news. Medical news. So this story I had a couple people send me about a mother who was taking popular weight loss drugs to lose weight for her daughter's wedding and then she ended up dying. So do you want to kind of give a breakdown of what was going on? She's 56 year old female. She started taking Ozempic. She got diarrhea just like I mean we personally know people who take these drugs that get diarrhea. So this is like a common thing. And after a few months she she switched to another drug called what is it? Sedexta? I don't even... It's called er, Zenet. Zenedra? I don't know. Whatever. I watched a video of how to pronounce it five times yeah, before. Cares? But... It doesn't matter. It's just one of those, the same class of drugs. I, I, I don't know. For some reason, like drugs and pronunciation is just like, I, I just like have a mental block up to it. Anyway, within five months, she lost 35 pounds, which... I, I almost kind of want to say that I think it's a little responsible for irresponsible for a doctor to be given a patient Ozempic to fit into a dress. I mean that if you're if you're really only that overweight that you can't fit into a dress, I, I feel like that's something that you could do on your own. But whatever, I'm not I'm not judging. I'm still judging, but not judging. Right. Anyway, um, she started she complained the whole time that she had diarrhea. She had nausea, stomach pains, vomiting. And vomiting is the one that you really need to pay attention to because Ozempic is a drug that has gastroparesis, which is, it's just like, it has a known side effect of that, which means that when you eat, gastroparesis is like when the nerves in your bowel are kind of like moving the food towards your butt, your butthole. (laughs) And um, when that's not working, the food gets stuck. And when you're vomiting, it's because the food that you're eating can't pass through. So that means that you have an obstruction. And I know someone personally in my family that this happened to. So this is like a real thing, even though the people that create these drugs say it's rare. 
I, I feel like I hear it kind of a lot, but that's typical with, with all these drugs. They kind of want to sweep it under the carpet like people are actually having problems with it. But um, they said that her cause of death was acute GI illness. Her family members found her, she had stopped breathing and said that she had brown stuff coming out of her mouth, with, which further makes me think that she probably had some kind of like life-threatening obstruction that was like causing the food that she was eating to not get all the way through her bowel. Well, I think it's important to note as well that this case happened in Australia and that Ozempic is not approved for weight loss yet in Australia. It's strictly for diabetes. So I saw that her family was saying that she was prescribed it by a doctor, but in which way if it wasn't approved for weight loss? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's the, the drug is great for people, if, for certain people. It's definitely great for people that are like pre-diabetic or diabetic trying to lower blood sugar and stuff like that. And it's also great for weight loss because if people are really obese and have to lose a, a significant amount of weight, you know, 50 pounds, 100 pounds, whatever, I think it's great. I just think, of course, with anything, it's going to get abused. Like, I want to fit in my jeans better next weekend. Should I start taking Ozempic? Like, that's just kind of ridiculous in my opinion. Okay, this next case is is really cool. It's like one of my favorite things ever since I went to school for pathology is anomalies and congenital anomalies, which means that you're born with some kind of a, a variation in your organ that's not really normal and it happened when you were developing, but it's really rare. And whenever I used to find them at autopsy, I would get super excited because it's like you do autopsy after autopsy and you just keep seeing normal anatomy. And then all of a sudden you find like a cool horseshoe kidney or something. And it's it, it's it's I don't know. It's just like the dork in me gets excited by about that. But this woman had a condition called uterine didelphus, which is born with a double uterus. So when a female is developing as and we're talking about like when you're a fetus inside of your mom. You have these two ducts that start forming the female genital tract, and they eventually merge together to make your uterus. And most of us have one uterus, and that's it, and everything's cool. But sometimes, any point along the way, those two tubes don't merge together. And when they don't merge together, you can get two different sides of the uterus. So you could have a uterus that's kind of split down the middle, or you can go all the way to the other extreme where you have two separate uterus, uteri, and two separate cervixes. I think it's cervixes. And so what's yeah. really what's really cool about this is like if a woman goes to the gynecologist, she has to get two pap smears on each cervix. So I've gotten pap smears that say cervix A and cervix B. She has two periods. And she can get pregnant in two uteri, which is what happened in this case. She's got a baby in each one of her uteri. So would the periods sync up? Yeah, they probably they probably would sync up, but they probably suck because they're probably d double as worse. Like I, these people have um, persistent pelvic pain. If they do get pregnant, they're considered a high risk pregnancy because they don't have the normal uterine shape. They have painful periods of a lot of bleeding. It it just it depends on how, how what the variation is. But usually, usually if you're a teenager or something, you're born, you probably wouldn't even know you had it until you maybe went to your first gynecologist appointment. And the trickiest part is is that when 
a woman has a a double uterus, but only it terminates to one cervix only. So it's only split at the top. So when you get the pap smear done, it looks all normal in there when, when the gynecologist is looking in there, but then you have two uteri. So sometimes it takes like you have really bad cramps and you get an ultrasound or you get pregnant and then they're like, oh, wait, you got you got two things going on in here, like an incidental finding. Yeah, and I, I was reading that they were saying even if the kids are born hours, days, or weeks apart because of how rare this is that they would still be considered yeah, twins. It's, it's really cool. But they're yeah, they're just like, well, we don't really know what to call it because it's so rare that it happens. And they are saying that it's likely that the kids aren't going to be born at the same time. Because what's really nuts is like, yeah, let's say this, this woman's having sex and she gets pregnant. Well, she has a totally functioning like other uterus that she could get pregnant into days later so it could be you know it, it it's not it's not always going to sync up perfectly so there's a high probability that like one's going to come before the other but on i have so many questions honestly because i don't know if you do go into labor with one and it starts contracting then do they just induce labor for the other so they both happen at the same time like what what would be the best because i can't imagine that one pregnancy is just going to stay there and wait to come out a, a, a week later, right? Like, don't you think all of that cramping and, and trauma would, like, kind of nudge the other one to start happening or something? I don't know. I'm just, like, really curious. Well, don't you think that would also, like, really suck? Yeah. Giving birth a week well, apart? <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah. I, I think that this woman is, like, I, I think when you have a, a uterine didelphus, it's, like, your whole entire female genital thing has sucked a really long time. That's, I think that we could safely say that. All right, what about this pet food recall? So I was confused at first because it said people were getting sick from the pet food, but then I saw it was babies, so I was like, was the, were the babies? I know babies probably eat pet food by accident more often than not, so... Uh, it seems like these these certain people who are touching or going around, maybe touching feces or the food itself and then touching their mouths of the pets have been getting salmonella outbreaks from these certain brands of pet food. So it's a, it's a Victor pet food and it was recalled after seven infants got salmonella and six of the, now this is like really important when I tell you guys this, six of the seven infants were under one years old. And the only way, as Maria said, that these babies were getting salmonella was either because they had contact with animal or people feces or animal food, dog food, or they were just somehow getting this into their mouth. So why was a baby that's under one years old anywhere near dog food or a dog's ass? <laughs> That's what I want to know. They they are saying saliva too, but like really a dog shouldn't, I, I don't know. I personally think a dog shouldn't be getting their saliva all over a baby that's under one years old. So this is, they, they linked all of them. This is what they do. We talk about this all the time, like how they figure out. We talked about it last week with the lead poisoning. Like they linked it all to like every single person in the house had this dog food. So that's where it came from. And salmonella is a, like a fecal oral transmission usually, and um, it's it could be really nasty. It cause it could cause severe diarrhea, 
and dehydration it could lead to hospitalization and death and it's and especially in like little babies like that it's it's not good for them to have we you had it once before right yeah i had it in um i think i was in seventh grade i got it because we like made cookie dough in um well this is like seventh grade nicole we made we made cookie dough in in class and then you know what was the class called home ec um we made cookie dough and yeah. then I went home and we had all the ingredients at home. So I was like, oh, I'm going to make that again and I'm going to eat it because in school they wouldn't let us eat it. And I left it. I, I like made it on a Friday night and like left it in my bedroom and then like went to bed and then woke up the next morning and like ate some more. And there, there's <laughs> there there's a lot of talk like obviously you hear that you could get it from raw eggs, but you also can get it from raw flour too. So just like eating cookie dough is kind of just not a good idea. So I don't know exactly what the source of it was, but it it was bad. Like I couldn't go to school for a couple of weeks because I was just like peeing out of my butt. Basically, it was he- terrible. And then finally, after it wasn't going away, the doctor was like, let's check her stool. And that was fun when my mom had to help me collect my poop when I was like, I think I was like 12 or something. She like, she Amazing. bought like one of those like tin cake pans that you get like at the dollar store and she like put it under my butt and made me go to the bathroom in it. It was hilarious. And I just thought it was so uncomfortable, you know, cause that was like beyond the point where my mom was like watching me go to the bathroom. And then I had to like straight up have like colon blow right in front of her. So that was, that was fun. But anyway, we brought it to the doctor and I got tested and I, I think like it went away. I, I remember I took medications and it went away and then, and then I was I was fine, but like I wouldn't recommend it. All right, let's talk about our last case today, which is the eye transplant. This is super cool. Yeah, this is really cool. So this guy that was working for a power line company got into this accident with high voltage power lines. He actually lost his arm from it too, but I guess it blew up in his face, right? So he lost his eye. And they have now done the first successful eye transplant in so the world. So what happens when, when a person receives like a like a high voltage electric shock is that it it could kill you, obviously, and cause electrocution and, and cause your heart to, the, it, it could affect your heartbeat and cause your heart to stop beating. But also your body is is a great conductor for electricity because it's made up mostly of water. So what happens is that the current travels through the body and... He lost his arm, he lost his nose, he lost his mouth. He didn't lose his eye at first, but he said that it hurt so bad that he eventually got it taken out. But he had serious burns on his body. And they did this eye transplant, which is kind of the first, it's the first one and it's the first step in like, let's see if we can give someone an eye transplant and have it work to the point where they could see out of it. So as of right now, they actually did like the whole orbit. They didn't just do the eyeball. It seems like they did the the bone surrounding the eye and the eyelid as well. So he's healed and it and it took, which is which is the first good step that he didn't reject it. And he said he's starting to get feeling in it. So he, they're hoping that he'll be able to use the eyelid and use the eye like they want to see what happens with it. Is he going to be able to start seeing out of it? But they don't. They don't really feel like that's going to happen. 
they don't feel very confident anyway, but he's they're going to they're going to study him. And I think that I think that it's it's really awesome for like progression with these kinds of things when someone loses enough. Yeah, I think he seemed really positive about it. And he was kind of stoked that his surgery was going to be the stepping stone for this major improvement. I thought it was kind of cool that the the new eye is hazel colored when his eyes were blue. So I think when people have two different colored eyes in general, that's one of the coolest things ever. I, I'm just so fascinated by it. So it's interesting to see that I don't know it's like this little detail of course it was like the first thing I thought of did they try to get the same color eye but obviously that doesn't Beggars matter can't be choosers, you want to right? try to get your <laughs> sight back and yeah it yeah but in general let's say this did take and everything it's it's a cool story it's a cool story in general to have two different colored eyes and then to have this incredible surgery journey behind it he's an awesome guy for being willing to do this and be studied for the rest of his life to see if it took and the improvements they could make in the yeah, future i mean honestly like mostly they're thinking that it's going to be a cosmetic thing and he could have just popped a, a glass eye in there and called it a day but like he's he's kind of it, it was worth trying for him and he's going to be known as like the guy that started this thing and it i think that that's that's really cool okay our favorite category as always is other death news <laughs> This first story really isn't so shocking to me. I feel like this has to happen a lot between medical professionals and just people dealing with vulnerable patients or the deceased in this case. But this coroner in L.A. has been accused of stealing jewelry off of a deceased person. And then when they started looking into it, they also found some more stuff in his desk that was tied to another deceased person. So now there's a whole investigation going on for this. So... The timing of this is kind of insane, actually, because last night my friend was over and she told me that her grandmom just died, 95 years old in a nursing home, and all of her jewelry's gone. She's She was living in a nursing home for years and her wedding ring's gone, all of her jewelry's gone. And I'm like, well, where is it? They don't know right now where it's at. And that, it, it's just, I know, oh my because God. think about like a, an heirloom or something and that's the worst part. We've had, I had a couple times where I would open a body bag and this is in the hospital and like a woman would be wearing her wedding ring and I would be so nervous to even have that thing in my possession because I know that those things are, are, are just, you can't replace them. So I would take it off immediately and I would put it in a bag and I would call the funeral director and say like, I'm putting this in this bag. I'm sticking it in between her legs. Make sure you look for it. I'm calling you to document this right now because I was like, I don't want this thing to somehow go missing. And I want to let them know because I didn't want to, I, I don't want to leave it on because I just, they, they get all dirty and stuff during the autopsy. But I've come across a, a couple situations where I've gotten personal belongings like that. And it just makes me really nervous. But yeah, I mean, I believe it because, like, this guy took a gold necklace and a crucifix. You could probably get a couple hundred dollars for that. And he's probably been doing it to a lot of people, which is really messed up. Can you explain the difference between a coroner, a medical examiner, what you do? I feel like there's a lot of confusion and you're often mislabeled as a coroner when that's not your job. I think that that could be a a topic for another day because it's kind of there's a, a there's a lot to to talk about with that but for in a nutshell um a coroner is a, an elected position so it's it's like a 
you have to elect the coroner and a coroner doesn't have to be a doctor, but they have to have someone under them that will sign death certificates and do autopsies. And a medical examiner is a, a pathologist, usually a forensic pathologist, that you can go get a job and work for the city on, in that situation. So you'll see like New York and Miami and Philadelphia have medical examiner system, but L.A. has a coroner system. And there's coroner systems all over. There's medical examiner systems all over. It just depends like how it was set up when the towns first set up and everything. Um, but this is a good question that we could talk about. We could talk about in depth more later. Um, and, and as far as me, from my position, like I'm a pathologist assistant. So there are PAs that work in medical examiner's offices and coroner's offices, but not not as many as that work in morgues like in the hospital. So in the hospital, we do medical autopsies or natural deaths. And then when it is anything that's suspicious, whether it's like you don't know if it's a natural death, if it's a suicide, homicide, accident, they go to the medical examiner's office or a coroner's office to get the autopsy. I, we, I, I mean, like there's way more okay, to cool. it, but... We could talk about that another day because we don't have another hour here right now. All right. Let's talk about this last story because I thought that this was so cool. So one of my favorite tumors of all time is called a teratoma. And the reason it's one of my favorite tumors is because it has teeth and hair in it. <laughs> and when I first learned about this in school, I just I, I couldn't believe it. And then when I saw it in real life for the first time, I still couldn't believe it because some of them have like really formed teeth and 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 hair like. And it's just the weirdest thing in the world to me. And a lot of times people say like, well, is it is it like a baby? Is it a deformed baby? And no, it's not. You don't need a sperm to make a teratoma tumor. But it's called a germ cell tumor. And germ cells are the cells that like are present in the ovary that will eventually, they're a portion that will eventually turn into like human parts when there is a sperm and they and a, and a fetus is created. But if that doesn't happen, those cells are still inside a person without without a sperm. And what happens is a tumor forms out of these cells and it makes this like crazy haphazard tumor that's called a teratoma, which actually translates to monster. And because it, it, it could have pieces of human, but it's not considered human. So you could find hair, like I said, teeth, like I said, bone, thyroid tissue, brain tissue, fat. And the, the majority of them that we find are like, there, there's teeth in a lot of them I've seen, hair. And yes, the, the hair in the teratoma matches the curtains if, and the carpet, if, if you know what I mean. So, um... If you have if if you're a redhead, then you're gonna have red hair in your teratoma. It's it's very very interesting, but um, so so anyway, getting back to this this other death news story is that there was a three thousand year old ancient Egyptian body found, and inside of the pelvis they found a teratoma in her pelvis. And what's even more interesting about that is that normally like a tumor is made up of soft tissue so that would decompose and you wouldn't really know if they had if she just had like a regular ovarian tumor but because a teratoma is made of teeth and bone sometimes it like it's going to last 
a long time like the bone does. So that's how they were able to determine that she had this teratoma. And she was, the way that she was buried, she had a ring on her hand and it said it had the symbol of Bess, I believe is, which is the uh, a symbol that's associated with childbirth, fertility, and protection. So chances are like maybe because she had this tumor, she wasn't able to get pregnant or something. And it's just it's just like so cool and interesting. Yeah, it is a really cool story. All right, let's get into our questions from Instagram. Okay, our first question is, is there anything you do now to, quote, prepare for when you die? And this is for both of us, so why don't you start off? Um, yeah, I mean, I... I don't, the, I, I always say this on my Instagram questions that I don't really care about. Like, I, I just, I just don't care where I get buried, what happens to me afterwards, but I do care about my kids being set up. So I have a will, I have very specific instructions, like what happens if I die? What happens if Gabe dies? Which happens when one of us goes first? Who's in charge of the money? Who's in charge of the kids? And who's the backup for that? And then who's the backup for that? What do I have two two backups <laughs> on after Gabe, right? Yeah, so, I think so. Um, just just to make sure, like my kids are squared away. I have everything in writing as far as like when they're going to get money when they get older. Um, what happens if I die before they're eighteen? That I I think that's like the most important thing that people could do is just like have their kids squared away because if I didn't have any of that stuff and I just dropped dead now, then it would be like who who gets my money who who like is it going to go to the kids education or the, or where what's happening with everything there would be so many questions and now that i have that all in writing it makes me feel like a lot better um and that's that's like really it i don't i i don't have like a funeral plot picked or any i just don't i don't care like that's something that gabe could deal with if he wants to just like pay a thousand bucks and get me some like cheap cremation and keep me in a cardboard box like I don't care I'm cool with that how about you Ray yeah and I don't have any paperwork which I guess I should work on I have a life insurance policy so that's I guess one step in the right direction and I guess my family could do whatever they want to do with me but I would like to be my cremated and spread in the smoky mountains because that's my favorite place ever so i don't know i just i don't really have it planned out all that far so maybe i know i, I get do on i did i think in my um in my will i did write like like it was kind of a joke for gabe to just like oh bring me to chappaquiddick off of the coast of martha's vineyard and like scatter my ashes but like he doesn't he doesn't have to do that like just was like kind of a joke. Like if he came across it, he would laugh after I died. That's basically why I wrote that. But um, I like the idea of being turned into jewelry or something. I think that's cool that people get necklaces and rings made and stuff. I think that could be cool. But obviously whatever my husband or you or my kids wanted to do in the future. And I think it's one of those things like when I have kids, I'll be more on top of having a will and everything but right now and I'm I'm young so it seems a little premature but I guess you could really die at any second so it's better to be prepared than not yeah and and believe me I'll be on top of you as soon as you have a kid to get that situated <laughs> all right what's the next question all right 
So does everybody get an autopsy? No. So getting back on what we were talking about earlier, people die in the lots of people die in the hospital every day. Believe it or not, even before COVID, people died. It's 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 absolutely crazy. But um, let's say for example, like the hospital that I used to work with was was a pretty was a pretty big hospital, and they would say like maybe six people died a day on average, right? Well, we didn't have six autopsies a day because. Let's say a person has like stage four cancer. They're not going to do an autopsy on them unless the family like really wants it because there's a question. Or sometimes a doctor might be doing like an experimental treatment. Like let's even say this guy that just got the eye transplant. Like if he died, it might just be like, all right, well, like he had all these burns and he had these injuries and we know why he died. So we're not going to do an autopsy. But like his doctors might want to do an autopsy to dissect the surgery to see like how it how it worked, how it looked, how it held up and stuff like that. So the same exact thing happens, especially in teaching institutions too. And in the hospital, it's, it, a lot of it is driven by the family. Of course, the doctors sometimes really want an autopsy, but like if the family says no, then ultimately it doesn't get done. On the other hand, if it goes to the medical examiner's office, they have legal jurisdiction over the body at that point. So even if you like call, scream, kick and beg them not to cut your family member, like they can if they want. They try, um, you know, because there's certain religions that like are not cool with the autopsy. So they try to respect as much as they can. But like if someone got murdered and they need to figure it out, like they have to do their job. Um, sometimes people are just like, I don't want my family member to autopsied. And they say maybe sometimes they would even say like, okay, well, they got shot in the head. That's clear like what happened. So we're just going to examine the brain and not do the body. Like they do try to accommodate people as much as possible. But um, and, and even every single person that goes to a medical examiner's office or a coroner's office doesn't get their body cut. So sometimes they just do an external exam and not an internal exam, depending like Let's say you have this guy that died at home and he's like 60 and he has a giant scar on his chest and he has a history of having like coronary artery bypass syndrome. They look at him and say like, okay, like there's a high probability this guy had like a cardiac, some kind of cardiac event. And then they call his doctor and his doctor says like, yeah, he was complaining of chest pain and stuff. I'll sign the death certificate. So they'll just do, a, they'll do an external exam on him, but they won't actually have to cut him open because like... So they already know why he died. Of course, this is the loophole to kill people because th that's how, like, you, you wouldn't do an autopsy and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, like, the wife killed him with arsenic or something like that. But for the most part, like, the, the, the reason that every person's not autopsied is because there's just, like, not enough people in the world to do it. Like, it's it's it just would be too much. Five or six autopsies a day for for one place, um, like with one PA and one pathologist is, is a lot. Okay. Well, our last question is, did either of us start holiday shopping yet? So yeah, I, um, I got one thing so far. I got, I, I saw a book, a stranger things book in, uh, the store we went to yesterday. So that's the only thing that I, that I got so far. How about you? What are you getting me? I don't know yet. Oh, and I'm getting you that ring thing probably, right? That you wanted? <laughs> yeah. But 
the yeah we won't we won't say it because we're trying to get them to sponsor <laughs> but we um yeah people people ask me all the time about certain things that like i really like and stuff so we started a on the website we started a my favorite things page which is really cool because it, it might not have anything to do with medicine like my favorite stuff that i use in the kitchen or or anything like that just like fun little stuff that i like to buy and everything so you could check that out and um might help you out with some gift ideas or something because i'm always like there's certain times and certain people i'm like i don't know what to get them i need some ideas and stuff so i think i think that that's that's like pretty helpful did you get what did you get for me yeah and we also we also have merch <laughs> um i'm making a lot of gifts this Good, year I, like I have just mapped out what what I'm making for you, I think something you'll really like. Um, you'll just have to wait and see. You know I'm a pretty good gift giver, so I am too. You don't have don't to worry like about I'm me. Not... What she? <laughs> no, but, wait. You need to clarify because uh, other... you're leaving people hanging now. Like, <laughs> am I not? No, you are. Yeah, that, I just that, it, that seems I, really I'm never genuine. suspecting what you're getting me every year. So, oh, another thing is too. She's pretty oh, good. Okay, let's move. <laughs> Let's move on. So, um, my the book is still my book is still for sale, and it's really really cheap. And then, if you really want, you can give someone a signed copy. So I don't actually sign the book, but I have these book plates that you can get on the website, and um, they come in a cute little card, and we have holiday cards for those too. You can get a signed holiday card too if you really want, just a card that. That's just like writing hey to somebody, especially if someone already has the book. Um, I could just like write them a little message within reason. We've never had to reject anything, but we've had a couple of really weird requests. But but not like not too weird yeah, that I'm like sure. I ain't writing that. It was it's fine. It's just some some of them I'm like what does this mean like? So you can get the book plates and the holiday cards on thedoramodershop.com. We also have merch that you can get on bonfire.com slash store slash the Dora Mater. And that's a couple different designs you could get in t-shirts, sweatshirts. I believe there's some is there mugs like available an easy too. Way for Those are to get there because really good. Who is like writing all your slashes down? Well, I will link all of this in the description of this episode. But furthermore, if you go on the doramater.com, our website, you can go to a little tab called shop or book or favorite things. Just scroll around the homepage. Most of them are there or they're in the navigation. So they're on there, but I will, to make it easier in one place for everybody, put them all in the description of this episode. Yeah, I don't. But if you want to ask us any questions, you could check our mother no at Mother Knows Death Instagram every Friday. And we put up a little question box and you could ask whatever question you want that we We'll pick an answer on the show every week. Yeah, I, I still don't know. I really don't even know what I'm getting people. I'm just kind of like recovering from Halloween still and starting to get into to holiday stuff. But like it, it it's like November 15th. I, I just it was just Halloween. Like, let's relax. Well, I make I made a list of what I want to buy everybody and I started because I'm making a lot of the presents I started making them a couple weeks ago cuz that takes time obviously and now we're we're busy people so I don't just have like 20 hours a day to just sit there and make stuff and craft even though that would be a dream scenario. Yeah, it really would. 
Everybody will like it. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Mother Knows Death. As a reminder, my training is as a pathologist assistant. I have a master's level education and specialize in anatomy and pathology education. I am not a doctor and I have not diagnosed or treated anyone, dead or alive, without the assistance of a licensed medical doctor. This show, my website, and social media accounts are designed to educate and inform people based on my experience working in pathology so they can make healthier decisions regarding their life and well-being. Always remember that science is changing every day and the opinions expressed in this episode are based on my knowledge of those subjects at the time of publication. If you are having a medical problem, have a medical question, or are having a medical emergency, please contact your physician or visit an urgent care center, emergency room, or hospital. Please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother Knows Death on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get podcasts. Thanks. Thanks.